0: Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to another edition of Seen Anything Good Lately. It's the podcast that gives you so many fresh ideas of what to watch and builds your cultural knowledge with the best in the business.
1: Recently, I watched Manhunt Unibomber, so I've been watching
0: a lot of True Crime. Oh, should I know something about you?
2: We're watching, at the moment, we're watching I May Destroy You, and watching that, it did upset me.
0: My guests you heard there are jazz singer Zara McFarlane, whose wonderful new album is Songs of an Unknown Tongue, exploring her identity and roots through fresh sounds and Jamaican folk rhythms. And Ian Stone, comedian and radio and podcast host and now author. His new book is called To Be Someone, about his teenage obsession with The Jam and a bit of Arsenal. Before we meet with Zara and Ian though I should tell you what I've been up to and if I've seen anything good lately. Well do you know I have seen quite a few good things lately and there are a couple of music documentaries on BBC4 that have really grabbed my attention. One is Rodney P's Jazz Funk about the history of clubbing in the 70s in London where the Soul Boys and the jazz dancers converged and how they birthed a funky British sound in groups like High Tension and Imagination who I absolutely adore. They were my first big group. I went to see them loads. They were my first concert. My first albums that I bought were Imagination. I loved that, obviously, because I liked that music but I just loved it. It was really well put together even if my mate Robert Elms is in it showing off his front room lovely front room Bob and there was also another doc on BBC 4 everything the real thing story directed by Simon Sheridan which told the tale of the soul group from Liverpool, The Real Thing, and mixed in a dose of social history with the story of whom they called the Black Beatles, four boys from Toxteth in Liverpool who made it to the top of the charts with songs like You To Me Are Everything and Can You Feel The Force. Yeah, you know them. The Both films were great deep dives into overlooked black British stories, and it's not just because I like the music in both of them. They're very well made both of them documentaries and you've always got to have a little bit of social history in there and really get into the characters who drove those stories in the first place they're really worth uh, checking out I thought they were both really well done they're both on BBC4 but they're both also still on iPlayer so do catch them right that's what I've seen let's find out what my guests have been up to Zara McFarlane is my first guest and she's one of our foremost jazz singers, a MOBO Best Jazz Act winner from 2014, no less. She's signed to Giles Peterson's Brownswood label and she's worked with everyone from house producer Louis Vega to saxophonist Soweto Kinch and the uh, Ezra Collective. She's a great performer live and delivers a brilliantly rich performance on this, her fourth album, Songs of an Unknown Tongue. I love it. I've been absolutely hooked by it all summer. And I've just had to find out more about how she's made it. I'd have. Personally, nominated it for a Mercury Music Prize if it was up to me, but it isn't. So I asked Zara how she came up with the concept of the album and how she made a very now sounding record that delves deep into her musical and spiritual roots.
1: The last couple of albums, it's been I normally start with some kind of theme somewhere along the line. So it's not necessarily that I've got an idea that I want to do this specific thing for the whole album, but it starts off with some kind of theme somewhere along the line. So this one. I really wanted to make a rhythmically led album and um, i wanted to do that for quite a while and i kind of started that with a rise a little bit as well bringing in more of those um well like danceable flavors as opposed to if you knew her which was very much a ballad kind of Inspired album. Um, So yeah, I wanted to make a rhythmically led album, and I wanted to make more of an electronic album, which is something that I've wanted to do for quite some time as well.
0: Is that because you grew up with that scene, or it's just an area of music you haven't explored yet, or you you just you've done so many collaborations with various people and popped up with them that you thought, oh, I can I can show my uh, how how I can spread out.
1: Well, I like to do everything as much as possible. (laughs) I just like trying new things and pushing myself in different ways. And strangely enough. The first releases that I ever did were actually more electronic sounding because they were more in the Soulful House range. So it doesn't feel that alien to me. And actually, you know, being signed to Brownswood, especially in the beginning, um, I always had the chance to do remixes and things like that so, or get them done different people so I always felt like I had a little foot in the door with the more electronic sounding music but this was a chance to really you know own that and take hold of that a bit more for the whole entire record. Yeah it,
0: it is because you Yeah, I mean you get you you win jazz awards and then you become known as the jazz artist and written,
1: written <laughs>
0: jazz vocalist but I, I I do remember you from your early days and that, that soulful house feel and that that I suppose you can't ignore all of that because London is all of that and I know Moses Boyd who produced your last album with you is yeah. now Mercury nominated again. Yay! <laughs> um, you know all of those influences are in his music. All of, I mean, all of the the, the current scene. You got you can't just say that they're just jazz because they, you know, you're 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 exploring, you know, Jamaican rhythms, like not even reggae rhythms, but old folk rhythms in this album. I thought they were fa- they sounded fantastic to me. Where did you discover all of those?
1: I went to Jamaica in 2017, I believe, to look for what music was happening before Mento. Mento, which is known as often folk music, and ska and rock steady and all that kind of stuff afterwards, going into reggae and dub and stuff. But I was like, oh, well, what happened before that? Because I was interested in writing a musical inspired by, um, well, actually set around the time of emancipation in Jamaica, so in the early 1800s kind of time period. So I started to think, okay, if I wanted to do this as a musical, it would be nice to work out or find out what music would have been happening at that time. So when I went, that was what I was in search for. But yeah, I started to learn about these folk traditions and to be fair not having a clear idea of the placement of when they started these traditions but some of them um, are connected to um, more of the indented workers that came over a bit later after slavery and obviously many of them have a definite African connection to them because you can hear that
0: and where 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 can you find these you know you're in search of sounds in a way before sounds were being able to be recorded or archived what uh, how how do you how do you dig in in jamaica for such things
1: well firstly i spoke to a lady called marjorie wiley who was like the expert of folk music and tradition of jamaica and um she pointed me in the direction of a couple of books and told me to go to the national library in jamaica and the institute of jamaica because there have been fieldwork recordings that were made in the seventies or something like that, and they went and spoke to people in the community that were still upkeeping these traditions. So there's video footage of that a little bit, and then there was audio recordings of that a little bit as well that I could look into. Well,
0: wow. and what's it called? This this music then is it has it has it got a name?
1: Well, they are different names. So you've got things like um, Bruckins, which is related directly with Emancipation Day. Um, you've got something like John Canoe, which is often celebrated around the time of Christmas. Uh-huh. And then you've got things like Dinky Mini, Etu... Geray, a few others that don't come, come to mind. Tambo, I think is one. And
0: what, they're all different rhythms or they're all different instruments? They're all... They're
1: just as traditions. So within that tradition is music, dance, sometimes um, ceremony, sometimes food rituals and things that happen as part of them so I was expecting to learn more about like a rhythm you know like the rhythm is this and the rhythm is that but actually as I was learning more about it it's not really described like that it's just described as the tradition
0: as a whole you, you thought to... well I, I've got to get all of this in I'm going to put all of it this... I mean you must have come back with I didn't these... put
1: all of it in because there was so much to put in three
0: albums <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um yeah I just took a few ideas from some of them and then we started to incorporate those into the music in different ways.
0: So which which tracks can we see that come out in? I mean it feels like Black Treasure to me which is the the single has been out for a couple of a couple of almost a month now, a month or two already. Uh, That seemed to have a lot of uh, of new rhythms in there.
1: It kind of explores how the echoes of colonialism still resonate in society today really and it's an acknowledgement of how what historically has been taken away from us and what still remains Within. So the idea of black treasure is for me, my history, my culture, my skin, my soul, my thoughts, my music. That is
0: what it is. Must have been amazing bringing that out as a single. I don't know when you wrote it, but in the in the current climate post George Floyd and the the escalation of Black Lives Matter until it, 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 you know, came in, in into London and the whole recolonial debate by the statues in Bristol, you were bringing out this single at the same time. It felt like you'd gone right brilliant. I'm going to respond now with this. And It <laughs> felt like an immediate response. What was the what was your feeling? It was like, "Oh, I've got this got this single that is absolutely about now. I must leave."
1: Um I suppose that as someone that's making the music, I don't always acknowledge things in that outer kind of way. But the reality is, with these types of things, this is normal life for me as a Black person. It's not new, it's not unusual. It is conversations that we have on a regular basis, on a daily basis, things that we are exposed to all the time, unfortunately. So it might feel timely for, to others, but it's just the reality of the experiences of life as a Black person. Mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. na mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Zara McFarlane's beautiful Black Treasure of Songs of an Unknown Tongue. We've got Zara with us now, which we are very thrilled to do. You said you were going to create a musical uh, earlier in the interview, Zara. That was your idea. I know you, you, you've got a bit of theatre in you. That you, You've done a bit of live, live theatre. You've done some musicals, haven't you?
1: Um, I've never done a full musical, actually. But what I've been lucky enough to do... So I performed with the Royal Shakespeare Company... Um, in their production of Antony and Cleopatra. And I wasn't acting, but I was singing on stage with the actor and off stage as well for some of the more moody and effective effects kind of sounds.
0: And was it okay. your music?
1: No, no, it was music actually written by Laura and Vula. She wrote oh. the music for that particular production. And I got the chance to do something with, with Glyndebourne, um, the opera house, and performed in a new community opera called Agreed.
0: Do you love a bit of musical theatre?
1: I love musical theatre. Not all musicals are good, but I love the idea of music, dance, and drama all together.
0: What's your favourite musical?
1: Oh, that's a hard question. I do love West Side Story. I loved The
0: Lion King. I loved Fella when it was out. I, don't know if you've got I did see Fella. I absolutely loved it, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we've, we've gone a bit early here, talking about the musical theatre and how exciting it was. So I've got to ask you the official questions, Zahra McFarlane. Have you seen anything good lately?
1: The musical theatre was. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, Ham- I saw Hamilton. I didn't go to the theatre because I was um, a bit nervous about spending all that money and maybe I wouldn't like it because I didn't, I didn't know <laughs> how, how rap would be on the stage. I thought it was going to be terrible. So I saw it on Disney Plus just now. Oh yeah, um, the, the the sort of uh, theatre version filmed, which I thought was great. I, I really did. I thought, oh my god, I should have gone to the theatre to see this. In fact, I will now probably go and do that when when we're allowed to again.
1: For me, I love that process of being in the theatre. I think musical theatre is, or theatre in general, is quite hard to translate to film. I think.
0: Though. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. It looks flat, and it doesn't. This one actually did didn't. It didn't feel like a movie, but it felt like a a really good sort of representation of that of the night out in the theatre. Uh, and you know the lyrics were just, which is great, really. I, I did, I didn't know the story particularly. No, I really, really enjoyed that one. Anyway, that's what I saw that's good lately. What else have you seen? Anything good lately?
1: I do have an affinity for true crime, so I've been watching a lot of true crime. Oh,
0: should I know something about you?
1: Oh no no no, <laughs> <laughs> nothing going on over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's your true crime thing? What are you, what are you into in there? There's a lot of it.
1: I like psychology, so I think for me that's what attracts me to that aspect of it. Recently, I watched Manhunt Unabomber.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: There was actually a documentary on it about that on Netflix, but there was also like a dramatisation as well. Um, I don't know if I should tell people that I'm watching this.
0: Next. Yeah, you should. Well, yeah. I mean, unless there's sort of, you know, some some weird attack somewhere and we can say, ah, yeah, but that's the Unabomber who, who had this enhanced bombing campaign throughout like 10, 15 yeah. years or something, right? Yes, yeah,
1: so it was very interesting. And then I've also been watching Indian Matchmaker on the flip side. Something Is that very- a reality show? Yeah, that's basically a matchmaking show. <laughs> um, Indian matchmaker.
0: Is it say in India? Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, a mixture and they go across American different parts. People that are looking to be, um, you know, matched up in the very traditional way.
0: I do like a reality show. I have to say, I'm a first dates uh, fan. That's my, that's yes. my little fix. We of...
1: love first dates.
0: I like the first dates. I like the first dates hotel as well. I like it when they kind of eat. I like to see what they eat and how they kind of <laughs> can't deal with it.
1: I haven't seen that hotel one actually. I've seen it advertised, but I haven't watched that one. Oh, you'd love it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So your reality, you like true crime and reality. That's good. But
1: you know, actually, what I do like. To watch are the creative ones. So I watched Skin Wars. And which one? Skin Wars, which is about people that are, um, uh, what are they called, body painters. Tattoo,
0: oh, body art, yeah.
1: Yeah, and things like that. Anything that's quite creative, I like watching those things as well. Much so,
0: of this is- yeah, yeah, no, no, that's right, the tattoo, the skin <laughs> wars. Did you watch uh, The Great British Sewing Bee?
1: I did, I've seen bits of that. Um, what other ones have I watched? I watched this garden one that was on Netflix. I forgot what it's called, but it was about um, landscaping but massive figures or whatever. Well
0: you're you're a Netflix adherent. You're, you're you're like only Netflix.
1: I know I don't really watch much other TV anymore, I have to say.
0: That's fascinating to me, actually, because, you know, they, they, you know, I, I, they, my children are the same. You're not, not that you're my child in any way, but like there seems to be a <laughs> massive, a massive, sk- quite, quite quickly, you know, your generation, you know, you, you didn't grow up with Netflix, for example. But like, as soon as it's here, you're like, yes, I'm watching all of the stuff on there and uh, the normal TV or you know, BBC ITV, you, you just don't even bother with it anymore.
1: Yeah, I peek in a little bit with BBC and all those things for some of their dramas and stuff like that. But generally, if I'm going to watch something, it's probably normally on Netflix.
0: Right. It. And do you do the movies on there as well? or you? you... I
1: do. I can't think of movies I've been watching, actually. But sometimes I watch movies. I kind of prefer, I lean towards the series, I think, though.
0: Yeah, you get hooked on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's some, there's some, yeah, some pretty good stuff on there. I don't know if you've been the the Spike Lee. She's got to have it, which I absolutely love. The series of that, if I, that's on Netflix, keep I recommending saw, that. know what I mean? Yeah, he did the not the movie that he did, but the the series that he did yeah. with you nola know, Darling set in Brooklyn. I loved that, and I loved the music, which I think you would you would like. Do you watch much uh, like music TV or music, you know, concert concert films or something like that? We
1: don't that much actually at the moment. Dip in and out. I have in the past. But no, lately I haven't really been watching much music stuff. Sometimes when I'm working on an album, I kind of dip out of listening to music a little bit.
0: Yeah. You don't want to, you know, you want to concentrate on your own thing. What's the, you know, I don't know if you've got with it. We had Ashley Henry on the show quite recently. He did a solo gig from his front room. You know, have you been getting involved in some of the live streaming performance? And how's that for you?
1: I haven't. Not yet. No. Um, I'm not great at playing any instrument in particular so, <laughs>
0: so someone would have to come round to yours
1: claim to be a pianist or guitarist i write songs on both of those but
0: i'm not so it would have to be solo vocal well, socially or you could socially distance leanne havers played i think the roundhouse um just the other uh, night so people are getting back to playing and i think there's some streaming gigs from live from ronnie scott's at the moment bands are in there uh so yeah. they play socially distanced, and then then we can watch it from around the world. And I think lots of people are getting a bit used to that scenario, Zara. Yeah, I know. I don't, but
1: I'm not one to do what lots of people do, necessarily.
0: This is what I get the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think the album is is so terrific. I think we're really blessed to have it w- with us this summer. I hope it, like, you know, it, it does does great things for you. What do you, what do you hope, you, you've got so many rhythms that you found in Jamaica. Are you already thinking of the next, work and how you can kind of mutate I mean I guess a lot of the time it happens with musicians they take it they do an album then they tour with it and they live with it for a while and see what the reactions are this is very different for you you can't quite do that at the moment
1: yeah yeah definitely for me I love live live is just what I love to do the most
0: yeah I love watching you live if I may confess <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's a bit of a shame to not have that yeah especially in the way that I'd like it to be But I do feel hopeful that it will be that I'll be able to put it out there soon.
0: I'm going to go out with uh, another track off the album. I'm going to go with my story, if that's all right, because I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Is it your story? Tell me about that track.
1: It is. So my story is interesting because it tells the story of me. It's like almost like a a fable. Whether I wrote it, it tells the story of me walking down the road, and I meet a book that has lost its pages. And it asks me to help it find its pages, but which I say I'll do and they, um, but in doing so I realised that it's telling my story, a story that I didn't know that I'd lost. So this song is about the recognition of your past and also the chance to feel liberated by it. And it's an acknowledgement of the past to be able to move forward into the future.
0: Well, I hope we can all do that pretty quickly uh, too. Zara McFarlane, thanks so much. Thank you much for your beautiful illustrations of your own songs as well. Thanks for joining me. Uh, this is my story by my guest today, Zara McFarlane.
1: Thank you very much.
0: and if you like the sound of those tracks that we played Black Treasure and My Story then just get the album Songs of an Unknown Tongue by Zara McFarlane. Now my second guest today is also of a musical bent, it's Ian Stone. He's best known as a stand-up comedian and a broadcaster. He's host of the Handbrake Off Arsenal podcast on The Athletic. But to be someone is his debut as an author. It's a very enjoyable and funny memoir about his teenage years and his obsession with the jam. Although it's just as much a story of the 1970s in London, music, music, Football, anti-Semitism, mates, gigs, and with a bit of luck. Girls. Welcome to the show, Ian. Thanks so Jason, much for joining. thanks, man. How are you? I'm um, excellent. Well, thank you. Really well. Buoyed by, uh, incredibly by the enjoyment I'm getting from reading your book, mate. It's really funny. It's really fun. It's a jolly old tale, but it's also, it's also got something in there, a bit of poignancy, I suppose, about nostalgia.
2: What was the impetus yeah. for writing it? Uh, the impetus was my girlfriend, Rosie, saying to me, um, and by the way, when I say girlfriend, we have been together for 35 years. Yeah, she's years. quite in the book. Yeah, well, she said to me, why don't you write a book about the jam? she'll say something to me and and quite often i'll think oh my god i'm in for a lot of work here but she's right she's often right and so that's sort of how it starts
0: does she think "Mm, there's a there's a sort of bildungsroman here there's a sort of arc going on here
2: weirdly enough i hadn't really listened to them that much while we'd been together we got together in about 1984. they'd split up a couple of years before and i sort of at that point hadn't forgiven paul for the style council for splitting up and forming the style council So I hadn't really listened to him for a long time. But about four years ago, yeah, it was 2016, there was a, there was a big exhibition at uh, Somerset House. And I went along with my two mates who were in the book, Simon and Warren. Yeah. We were sort of looking around. It was so lovely just to be to, to rethink, revisit those days. And so that and then Rosie saying to me, why don't you write a book about the jam? I thought, yeah, it, maybe it's the time to do it.
0: What you've got is a really nice sort of package. The jam had a, had a sort of shelf life. And you can sort of say, well, 79 to 82, I'm going to set my book there and I can, it gives you a beginning, middle and end in a way.
2: I first heard them in 77 and I heard them on John Peel's show in 1977 and then I was I was into them from then until 82 when they split. So it, it, the idea was always part social history, part autobiography and part love letter to Paul Weller and the Jam. I was sort of going for a fever pitch type thing but with the jam instead of Arsenal. Although Arsenal are in there as well.
0: Well, yeah, have got a lot, quite a lot of Arsenal in there as well. We should mention that Ian, of course, uh, hosts the Handbreak Off podcast with Amy Lawrence and Lee Dixon uh, for The Athletic and very uh, very interesting and fun that is too. A new, a new gig for you, Ian, but you're enjoying that one. It sounds like you're enjoying it anyway.
2: Hey, I mean, I get to sit with people who know a lot more about football than I do.
0: I mean, obviously, Arsenal there's need, needs no explanation. I, I'm there with you. It's sort of just something that I've been doing since I was born. Yeah. But the jam, why the jam? I mean, you, you go into it in the book with a with a lot of passion but to tell us why the jam because there might be some people who um like me actually came to Paul Weller through the style council because i'm a bit younger than you i love the style council and i'll hear no ill-spoken of them but tell me why the jam
2: i guess it's the music you hear when you're about 13 14 i think has a real effect on you. And and I think it also, it's about the sort of kid you are. I was this sort of, you know, I was living in, in West Hendon in Northwest London. You know, it's what, 20 minutes from the center of town. So it's London, it's proper, proper London. And, and I'm sort of disillusioned and there's not much going on in my life. And I'm not very happy with the way that the country is run. And then Paul Weller comes along uh, and starts singing about that stuff, about police brutality and about racism and about violence. And I thought, this is reflective of my life. And he's only about four or five years older than me. So I sort of zoned into that very quickly. I mean, I I, mean, I say this in the book, but I guess if you're a kid, if you're, let's say, struggling with your gender identity and sexuality in the, in the 70s, you would have sort of gone towards David Bowie. Yeah. If you're a kid who are a bit disillusioned, didn't feel like you had any prospects, Paul Weller articulated that and I was at the right age to receive his wisdom
0: I love what you say in the book About he articulated things That you didn't know you had in you That you couldn't possibly articulate He was articulating them for you And I think that's that's a real connection That we have with art Not just pop music But with art yeah. in general With the filmmakers can do it
2: Well I, I think it's Yes I think there is that And obviously doing comedy And I can see the way people connect When you when you say something And they sit there and go Oh yeah 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 That's yeah. happened to us And that happens all the time But on, on top of that Weller was only four years older than me. So he was almost the first adult that I'd seen speaking in a way that I could go, oh yeah, 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 he's he's making a lot of sense here. He was, I mean, I, I don't think I'm, it's weird to say this, but I think he was like a big brother to me and a lot of other kids, really. Giving me a bit of guidance in, into the adult world.
0: I always thought of him, as, as I grew up Jewish in Northwest London, the same as you, I always thought of Weller as slightly um, non-Jewish I have to say and I thought well, I think he's really cool but uh, ooh, I don't know if I could be his mate because he's you know he's he's much cooler <laughs> than me and he's he's not Jewish so and, and there's a lot of that in your book where you you're, you're, you're part of a scene and I think you go to a sham 69 concert and there's a lot of anti-semitism Nazis skinheads around uh, yeah. there, it seemed an odd world for a nice Jewish boy to go into maybe you weren't so nice.
2: Well yes I, I mean whether I was a nice Jewish boy I'll leave that up to others to decide but you know I went I mean, remember, I lived in uh, in in northwest London and I was I was going to school in Camden and we had the Holloway boys up the road who would come up to our school, Jewish free school and and do Nazi salutes outside the school gates. It is extraordinary. And going to the Sham 69 concert and seeing all that racism there and at football when you'd see people, black people getting bananas thrown at them and all sorts of awful stuff. So I was an out and about kid. You know, my my home life was a bit toxic and messy, and so I wanted to be out and about. And if you're out and about in, in anywhere in Britain in the 70s, you're going to see some nasty stuff.
0: Yeah, they've got a quote from Weller on the um, on the cover. I really like this yeah. book. I forgot how shit it was in the 70s. He said rather yeah. amusingly. So presumably he knew about you writing it. He was happy to read it. What was it? What was his reaction
2: other than well, that? Well, uh, a mutual friend of ours. Um, I. I I spoke to this mutual friend and I said, can you get the book to Paul? And he said, yes, I can. And I got a copy, a, a sort of draft copy bound up and sent it to Paul. And, um, he phoned me up a week later and he, um, he said, Ian, it's Paul Weller. And I, it was weird. I said, I wanted to go, I know <laughs> <laughs> I'd recognize your voice anyway. I, uh, I said, um, and he said, the first thing he said was, uh, uh Ian, I love your book. I like your book. I've forgotten how shit it was in the seventies. And, um, just made me laugh and I said can I use that as a quote and he went yes
0: Ian you've been obviously not gigging as much as you'd like to as a, as a comedian so you, you've been spending a bit more time probably at home and uh, probably watching stuff so I'm going to ask you have you seen anything good lately Ian Stone
2: yeah yeah I mean we've all watched the same things haven't we I mean I mean the last dance was great yeah. I love the last dance you did well as I, a sports really...
0: fan you would you know
2: yeah yeah and I was not that into basketball no, me my either. son is my son is into it we went to see it last year at the O2 um but I was not that into basketball, but that was just an amazing sports moment or amazing sports moments. And Michael Jordan was obviously a superstar. So I enjoyed that. Um, it's the
0: access, isn't it, as well? And some of those characters, you know, the team building as well. We've all looked at, yeah. I mean, you know, you've, you've, you've obviously talked to Amy Lawrence about the Invincibles team and the characters that and the 89 team and the characters in that. But a Rodman and a, you know, Jordan, that kind of the, the flair of that team and the invincibility of that team is, is yeah. beautifully shown in that film.
2: And I can and I can listen to Scotty Pippin yeah. all day. That beautiful deep voice of his. Yeah. And um, and I'm it, we're watching at the moment. We're watching "I May Destroy You," which is on uh, uh, TV at the moment. Michaela Cole's thing. Yeah. How are you doing uh, with that? It's harrowing, if I'm honest with you. I'm 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 appalled. I mean, there's been a lot of there's been a a bit of stuff uh, on the comedy circuit recently about men behaving inappropriately or much much worse and watching that it did upset me it upsets me to think what women have to put up mm. with that we never have to think about yes. as blokes never ever and I and I, and I, I, feel, I, find it upsetting but it's also a really good sort of look into into London life for young young kids
0: doesn't it It makes me want to be young again it reminds me it wasn't that long ago that I felt that I was young and I was going out late and going to those you know going all to classes all, that, all stuff. that stuff but I didn't do it in the body of, of Michaela Cole in the, in the skin Michaela Cole and the head of Michaela Cole and this this no. is making me feel like like I'm in that skin which I think is an oh, extraordinary no. it's, achievement it's
2: it's really really good and it's very watchable I just wince a little bit yeah uh when I when I watch I it. I think that's um, the idea isn't it it
0: doesn't look like other tv series have looked it it's not a shape you're like thinking well, where's this going it's it's got sort of rough bumps in it and that's what makes yeah. you feel a bit sort of out of your comfort zone
2: yeah I I, I think it has the same the same on edge craziness as the life itself and I and I, I like that about it. I also like the music as well. Yes, I and like I say, being a London boy, I like the London feel of it. You know, I, I, I always I, I never thought there were too many representations of London in art, even though it's obviously an amazing city and you know, I wouldn't live anywhere else. But I really feel it captures that 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 sort of urban thing that I don't know a huge amount about. But I uh, I, I am enjoying It's the wrong word, but I am I find it very compelling.
0: And you're still watching I'm- it, and you're hooked on it, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, completely And we, we've we been Because uh, I hadn't seen it before we're, I'm watching Better Call Saul Which I think is a work of genius
0: Right, I've I, I never got onto Better Call Saul I thought oh. I've done enough Breaking Bad Do I need to go into another universe on that? How much time do I have? How much how much can they ask of me? And now I feel well, like I've missed something
2: You know what? Well, you never You haven't missed something It's there on Netflix If you <laughs> want to watch it It is And we've been watching a few movies as well um, We watched Parasite the yeah. other How'd week How did you get over that? Was, I thought it was great yeah, I thought it look- was great Twisted, but great yeah. And I watched Jojo uh, Rabbit oh and and I so thought that was fantastic. Really? You like loved- Jojo Rabbit? Oh. So I yeah, thought,
0: very I, much. I went to see, I had to introduce it, The uh, it was the, uh, the closing gala of the UK Jewish Film Festival, it was UK debut and I hadn't seen it yet because that was its debut and uh, so I went to introduce it and thought, oh great, it's Taika Waititi. I sat down and did the intro and people clapped I thought, great, got, uh, got that over with. And it started, this film, and I, I, as soon as it started, I was like, oh my god, don't do this. Just stop. I wanted it to stop. My teeth were in edge, I just could not. Really? The place was laughing, I was like, stop laughing you fools I couldn't bear it Ian
2: well yeah that's what makes the world go round I Isn't guess it? but um, I uh, I was really into it and not that I want to give away but there's a point right at the end when they play um, heroes yes. the German version of heroes and I, I mean I just love that I love that song. It's, it's interesting. Beautiful.
0: Did you watch it with, when you say we, did you watch it with your children as well?
2: No, I. the first time I saw, I saw it in the cinema, I was away somewhere gigging. And then uh, I watched it with, with Rosie, my partner. Yeah. And we both, I mean, I loved it and I loved it the second time as well. I really did.
0: Because I watched and, it with and... my kids the second time around, thinking that, do you know what? Maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe it's a kid's film because it's told totally through the kid's eyes. And they loved it. And that yeah. made me, and it's the first time we've really dealt with the Holocaust as a family and sort of talked about it. And that made me completely change my opinion of it and thinking that maybe it's really good in the end. And that I just saw it under the wrong circumstances. But what
2: I... I, what I felt about it was that when I first saw it, it started off as what I thought was quite a frivolous film, you know? And then there's obviously a point, which I won't say what happens, but there's a point when it becomes a very not frivolous film, quite a serious moment. And I really liked the way that they did that. I, I Hey, listen, Horses for Courses. I really enjoyed that movie a lot. So that's, yeah, I guess that's what I've been watching the last week. Really
0: good shout Ian Stone. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today and thank you for your recommendations on seeing anything good lately. I'm going to let you pick the track to go out with. You've got a jam track to pick and you can introduce it and you can introduce anyone you like as long as I can find it, of course. So if you've got to pick a jam track to go with your book and to go on the show, (laughs) what are you going to go with?
2: Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, You know what? What the hell? To be someone, let's have to be someone, shall we? It's just a, a great Right uh tune. That's the title track
0: title track to your book as well, Ian Stone. Thank you very much for joining me.
2: Thanks, Jason. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 to be
2: someone must be a wonderful thing. A famous footballer, I've seen I'm a big field star. Yes, I've been
0: That's brilliant stuff today, isn't it? i really enjoyed today's Seen Anything Good Lately. Thanks to Zara McFarlane and to Ian Stone for their saggles. If you've seen anything good lately, then join in. Be a saggler. Email saggle at com and take part in the pod. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week, of course, with more great guests for a chat about what they're watching and keen as ever to share their passions and recommendations with us. Till then, keep watching, listening, reading, and debating, and I'll see you soon. Bye!